0: Diablos, fantasmas, brujas, el terror, para mí es un género
1: menor. ¡Para! ¡Para! Esto no ha pasado. No vamos a volver a hablar de ello. Vamos a jugarlo. Lo juro. Lo juro. Lo juro.
2: Estos son mis colegas del club de lectura
1: El tirado La cría El influencer La bibliotecaria La frota La frota El intenso Y el paga fanta Somos los más frífices El terror de la universidad Se merecen morir por lo que hicieron. Por eso van a perder la vida de uno en uno... ...en cada capítulo de esta novela. Quien
2: haya escrito esto... ...tuvo que estar ahí.
1: ¡Es alguien del club! Ángela no confía en ti. Preferías que estuviese muerto. Si es que hasta el que no soy el payaso. Hay un segundo capítulo. El payaso lo acaba de subir. <ríe>
2: jugando con nosotros, joder. No sé cómo averiguar quién es el payaso. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike joining me as always. It's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom?
0: Greetings and salutations, horror readers. I should have done this greeting in Spanish, but I did it last week, so I'm not going to do it
2: again.
1: <laughs> How you doing, Mike? <laughs> <this> week? <so. laughs>
2: yeah, doing well. Doing well. It's the beginning of another week, which means it's Fresh Cuts time, so back in the oh. familiar recording chair.
0: Yeah, wow. yeah. After my uh fun little horror weekend at Days of the Dead Los Angeles, yeah. Um I got some good stuff to report for the uh for the main show. For this show though, let's just say I had a great time.
2: <laughs> cool. Alright, also with us it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don?
1: Yeah, what's going on? Always happy to be here.
2: All right. Uh, so this week we are covering a Netflix original title that just released last week. Good timing because we didn't have anything theatrically, at least wide, wide enough for us to all see. So uh, Netflix just happened to drop something. And it's titled Killer Book Club. That's the English title. Venom, I don't know if you have it up in front of you. Did you want to uh, uh, quote the Spanish title?
0: Uh, the Spanish title of the movie is El Club de los Lectores Criminales, which is very, very different from Killer Book Club. The literal translation of that is uh, the Criminal Readers Club. <laughs> so take it with a grain of salt.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, the synopsis off IMDb. Eight horror loving friends fight for their lives when a killer clown who seems to know the grim secret they share begins to pick them off one by one. All right, so pretty uh, interesting synopsis there. Seven
0: horror. I think the closer synopsis would be seven horror loving friends and one girl who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time.
2: (laughs) True.
1: Accurate. (laughs) Yeah, accurate, but pretty. (laughs) (laughs)
2: All right, so we always start with our general thoughts, so I'll kick to Venom. Uh, What did you think of The Killer Book Club?
0: All right, before I even get into my review, I kind of want to caveat, obviously, and reiterate my love of Spanish horror. Uh, Whenever we get the opportunity to do Spanish horror, uh, for those who don't know, of course, I am Spanish, my family is from Spain, and whenever we get the opportunity to do it, I always gravitate towards it. Um, Spanish horror, some some Spanish language horror is literally some of my favorite horror of all time. Stuff like Wreck and Terrified and Tombs of the Blind Dead and stuff like that. But, um, so obviously, like I said, my love of Spanish horror is very out there. I wear it on my sleeve. Um But unfortunately, my friends, this is the second week in a row where we have to report, or at least that I have to report, that we did a very basic Spanish horror film that really brought very little to the subgenre. You know, last week we looked at Communion Girl, didn't really do a whole lot for the supernatural genre. In fact, had a fairly infuriating uh, final scene, which, you know, if you don't know what we're talking about there, check out last week's episode. This week, unfortunately, I have to report that this was just... This movie might have been innovative if it was released 20 years ago, before Scream, before I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, before Urban Legend, you know, movies like that. Um, This may have been looked at as a, you know, a much higher regarded movie. But now, in 2023... It just comes off as a lazy copycat more than anything. I mean, the movie opens up very obviously a copycat of I Know What You Did Last Summer. But then as the movie goes along and we get more exposition, more reveals... You start getting elements of Scream 3, Scream 5, and Scream 6, which I'll kind of point out specific examples as we're going through our walkthrough. But yeah, there's very little original about this movie. About The only thing that I really, really enjoyed was the way that the killer was letting people know that he slash she was killing people. You know what I mean? Like, you know, basically presenting it as a chapter of a book that's currently being written. I thought that was kind of original and different. Not to say that we've never seen it before, but for a Spanish-language film, I thought it was pretty cool and interesting, especially because these kids all used the exact same outfit for a prank earlier in the film. So, obviously, it adds a little bit more credence that, you know, this is potentially that the killer – um, is potentially someone in our friend group blah 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 um it's it, you know it's a fairly basic 90s style who done it slasher you know um there's lots of red herrings lots of red herrings in this one and ultimately once we get to the end and we get to the reveal I'm so unsatisfied with this movie like the very first person that you kind of think is the killer turns out to be the killer and which is very uninteresting. Um, His motivations for why he's doing what he does is very out of left field, because we get a piece of information later in the film that we weren't privy to throughout the entirety of the film, and it's like, well, none of us would have ever been able to figure that out, you know? That's something that's just completely random and different. Um, So his original motivation just comes off as incredibly petty, um, and then the motivation... Um, the second motivation that's kind of revealed, um, still is incredibly petty. Like uh, these horror movies lately, and I'm looking at you, um, movies like The Blackening, where the killer, the killer's reasoning for, uh, you know, going on a killing rampage is just so petty and stupid, and does not warrant murder. You know, like. The, the, what happens, the, the negative event that happens in this movie could easily be taken care of, you know, with a small claims lawsuit. Instead, we gotta go around and kill eight people, which, yeah, it just comes off as so petty and stupid. Again, these are, this is a younger cast, so you have to kinda accept that maybe. They haven't had as much time to think their plans through. Um, They don't understand how petty they're actually being. Because ultimately, we were all petty in our teens and 20s. If anyone wronged us, we wanted them dead. But very few of us actually acted on those urges, thankfully. And this movie is basically a movie about one person uh, who did act on those urges. And just in a very unconvincing, unsatisfying way. Um, the kills are very basic. Um, one of the characters even dies off screen, which is one of the bitchier characters that I actually wanted to see die on screen. But nope, we don't get her death on screen. Um, the kills are fairly, you know, okay. Like, in in practice, they could have been really cool. Like, in theory, I should say. In theory, they should they could have been really cool kills. But in practice, they're just very PG 13 style kills with not much satisfaction behind it. So ultimately this again, as I said last week, I'm going to say it again. This is not a bad movie. It's a well-made movie. It looks really nice. Um, the performances are fine. Like I'm not upset with any of the performances in the movie. Nobody, you know, no line deliveries made me, you know, uh, roll my eyes or cringe too much. For the most part, the performances are fine. The editing, the direction, it's all fine. It's just this is such basic bitch storytelling. That you, you, at the end of the movie, you just question, why did I spend an hour and a half with this movie when I've seen this movie countless times in the 90s and early 2000s um, with an English speaking cast? So it's like, what is the incentive exactly for me to want to watch this in 2023 in Spanish? And unfortunately, I have to report there's not much incentive um, uh, like I said, ultimately, it, it, it's put together fairly well. It looks like a, you know, nice movie. As I said, well-edited, decent cinematography. It's just so basic that I, I can't recommend it to anyone. I can't recommend it to Spanish-language horror fans I can't recommend it to slasher fans. Oh, this movie also has elements of Happy Death Day in it, too. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, but like I said, as you can see, a lot of youth-oriented horror movies are represented in this one. And But this one doesn't give us anything new, anything fresh, you know, something to walk away from the film thinking, oh, that was cool. They at least tried to do something original. This movie doesn't even really try to be original. It's basically just trying to grab, you know, what market is left for that, you know, floating head 90s, 2000s style, you know, whodunit slashers? And unfortunately, it's a little bit of a failure. So, yeah, overall, I can't give Killer Book Club too much of a high, uh, you know, a highly regarded review. It's okay at best, and that's literally the best I can go with is that it's okay, but. Uh, This is another example where younger horror fans might get into this because, you know, they haven't lived with the tropes as much as long as, you know, us older horror fans. So if you're a 20-something who's into Spanish-language horror, you might really get into this movie, Um, especially if you didn't see a lot of the mainstays of the 90s and 2000s that we've already talked about. But overall, it's just an okay movie that I will probably never watch again and really have no intention of recommending to anyone, so... Yeah, unfortunately, uh, two weeks in a row, Spain has kind of disappointed me. But the Spanish women won the World Cup this weekend, so that's cool. <laughs> that's it for me for general thoughts.
2: <laughs> All right. Don, what did you think of Killer Book Club?
1: Yeah, um, I'm probably a little bit higher on this, but I'm kind of in the same boat with Venom here. Uh, I... I I found elements of this one to be pretty much all over the place. Uh, There's parts about it that I like. There's parts about it that I love. And there's parts of this that infuriated me to no end. Now, uh, we'll start with the good. And what I really liked about it is, as Venom said, I, I do like the idea of what's going on here being doled out as chapters of a book that's dispersed to the main cast. I I really like the idea of how it plays with their uh, emotions, how it gets them riled up, how it makes them turn on each other. And it's a fun little, you know, updated twist on I Know What You Did Last Summer, where, you know, they got the threatening notes, and then that kind of amped up the tensions between everyone. I, I really like the way that it, you know, adds a modern twist to everything and it brings it up to, you know, the modern day kind of times while still feeling very much in line with what went on in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands for this kind of thing. Now I, I really like the, the chase scenes in here. I really thought that was where the film really shined. Um, The slasher scenes in this are fantastic. Uh, There's a couple in here in particular Um, one sequence through a deserted school that I was really, really intrigued by. And a uh, another confrontation that takes place in a, a multi-tiered garden, or like, a, a herbarium, or I think that's what Atrium? they're called. You could Atrium. It, you know? Yeah, that's what those things are called, yeah. That's another really fun sequence there. And it, that one there also has the benefit of um, a really fun little um, intro sequence that's played out with a costumed meet-and-greet that kind of adds a little bit of uh, tension there, which, again, kind of plays off of, uh, you know, sequences from other films. But they still pull together really well. Um, You know, the gore is fine. But overall, there's parts of this that just really piss me off. Um, First of all, the characters in this are some of the most vapid and irritating assholes I've ever met. Youth or not, college students or not, I didn't care for any single one of them. Uh, Just one-note, idiotic, completely insipid characters that you just, you want to see die. And decision-making is just completely out the window. Everybody in here just, wrong decision all the time. I mean, you know, Vena mentioned it earlier, the pettiness to go on this rampage is just idiotic to no end i mean there's no reason for what goes on in here i mean you know obviously the killer is one of the most obvious suspects around but even beyond that the the motivation and the reasoning behind everything is just absolutely idiotic and i i hated it it there is no reason to go on this rampage and yeah the the film as a whole I actually would have preferred it if they actually would have gone with a a different motivation, which is that, well, I mean, it's kind of a a spoiler, so I'm not really going to reveal it too much, but there's a storyline that we get in the first half that involves, you know, speaking out against those that sexually assaulted you. And that goes haywire. And then, you know, the, the, the slasher gets involved from there. I would have much preferred it if they would have kept my, what I had originally intended this to be, which was motivation for that incident rather than the BS that we get in here because it, it is just absolutely idiotic that the rampage that gets carried out here goes on as it does because, yeah, that, that's just absolutely stupid. But, yeah, the the other thing that... I really found irritating. I don't know if you guys did, but again, it's another one of those things for me. The The timeline to plan everything out in here that takes place, uh, you know, if the killers is as involved as we think they are and the quote-unquote surprise assistant takes place as it does, how does the book get written and how does it appear as soon as it does? I mean, for me, that was kind of, you know, a really weird thing that, you know, it, it takes place as suddenly as it does and it involves them as quickly as it does. So when's the book getting written? I, to me, that that part of it just kind of, you know, the, the timeline of it all just kind of was like, wait, what? But yeah, uh, it, it's really frustrating, or frustrating, I think, because. There's parts to this I really liked. Um, you know, again, the setup is great. Kills are good, um, not great, but they're you know bloody enough for what I enjoy. But yeah, overall, there's just enough uh, infuriating parts here that kind of just lower this one. It it just feels you know again way too basic, way too much of a copycat because a lot of the stuff that I like is stuff that's taken from other films. So. Yeah, it's just overly familiar. Uh, you know, you've seen it before. You've seen it again. Uh, not necessarily a bad time, but again, it's just, you know, if you want to, you know, throw in something new after you're done with, an, you know, that I know what you did last summer marathon, this is a good one to do it with. But if you're looking for something, uh, you know, clever and original, uh, this is not the place to do it. But that's yeah, kind of where I am on this one.
2: All right. Uh, So as far as I go, yeah, I think I'm about where you guys are on it. Kind of middle of the road. It it feels right at home with kind of the post-Scream 90s slasher where it takes a lot of cues from what uh, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson were able to do, but it's obviously lacking that polish, lacking the depth in the story. I actually kind of felt like they were all, after the first act, I almost kind of thought they were setting up more of like a I know what you did last summer scenario but then it kind of switched to like a more screen type scenario so it almost it was like they combined those for like the setup um, but yeah it, it's uh, I think we do get a few cool kills um, there's obviously some CGI involved in like some of the blood in the kills which was kind of ridiculous like I, I didn't see i don't see why for like the lev- the level of kills we got in this like not that they weren't all good but they weren't crazy elaborate to where like it didn't seem like it to do practical blood or something it would cost that much but um what else uh yeah i think they kind of tip off the killer pretty early um it just feels like a it feels like a tr- now, to the movie's credit, it's kind of already been alluded to that when the third act comes around and we get a little more background on what's going on, it, it does add a little bit of depth because I thought it was through the first two and a half acts, I thought we were that was going to be literally the hollow, like the hollowest of hollow reasonings for the killings, but they actually did add more of an explanation. They also tied it back to some stuff from earlier in the movie, so at least it tried to do that, although even with that said, it still wasn't terribly in-depth or interesting. I thought the cast was okay, but the characters, you know, it's like your typical kind of teens. Um, I didn't find them as bad as uh, some teen slasher movies, but not terribly interesting or not a a whole lot going on. Obviously, you know, without the pedigree uh, with the people making the movie, you don't get really um, the same development in characters or the depth to the characters, so you probably aren't uh, caring as much about what happens to them throughout the movie. Uh, I did like the um, the clown mask being used. I thought that was pretty cool, looking pretty scary. I also agree with Dawn. I thought the chase scenes themselves were some of the best uh, features of the movie. Um, I think that's where most of the tension was happening, and uh, on top of what I already said about the third act, there is like another reveal that happens that will make it seem like even more of a familiar 90s uh, slasher, which I won't detail, because that's too much of a giveaway, Um, and I won't even say what 90s slasher that I'm tying that specific comment to. Um, What else? I I don't... I I wish I could comment on the score, but I just... Having only been able to see it one time, I can't remember. Was the score at all memorable to you guys? Or do you guys remember anything about the score itself?
0: It was serviceable, but I wouldn't go so far as to say good.
2: Yeah, I yeah. Just, it's not memorable. I mean, it, nothing stood out because sometimes with slash movies, you do get like the good either soundtrack or score or a combination of both, and it and you end up remembering it afterwards. But I just can't think of anything. I mean, I'm sure we got like the usual cues when like you know yeah. the, a killer pops out or something. You're gonna get those I remember, uh, audible cues, but other than that, I can't remember much.
1: The one I remember is the stuff during the meet and greet where they're trying, where they're on the phone trying to track down what where the thing where the call is coming from. I remember oh, that really? part, but yeah, that's pretty much like the the majority of the music that comes to mind. Because yeah, a lot of it is just that you know kind of like repetitive droning suspense cues that you usually get in these kinds of films.
2: Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, what else can I say? Um, I already said I liked it a few of the deaths in there. I mean, there was a lot of basic kills, um, but some of them were enhanced a little bit, just exactly what they did. Uh <laughs> That there's a death early on, I think in the, like to wrap up the first act or maybe to to kind of set the table uh, get things going I thought that was pretty cool um what else has already been said it is like a ninety minute movie, so you know at least i, I thought it was paced pretty well it does move i think it it doesn't feel slow at all it, it it's it's an easy quick watch um what else can I say? That might be it. I think you guys covered a lot. Like I, some some of the times when we cover a movie, when we all kind of like are about in the same place, it feels like by the time it gets to me for general thoughts, I'm like, man, they kind of said a lot of what I had to say. But yeah, I I, I would still say watch it. Like I think it is a serviceable movie. It's just especially for those of us that kind of uh, either grew up in the '90s or grew up watching '90s horror or even though Venom it wasn't his decade of growing up he's obviously seen them seen them all cuz he did live through it he's just he's more of the 80s than 90s um i would but i would just say for people that i have taken in like a lot of the 90s flashers you you'll probably still get some enjoyment out of this but it'll just feel like you know like a lesser version of probably some of your favorite 90s slashers especially you know the younger folks that like if the 90s era was your era for slashers this is going to feel very familiar versus like the folks who grew up with 80s slashers it definitely this definitely models itself more after like the kevin williamson screen post screen Mm -hmm. uh type slasher so for some people that's great some people not and some people i guess they come in the middle and they're just going to see it for themselves, so it is Netflix, so it should be highly accessible so yeah check it out Um, I I didn't regret watching it, It it's just you know, kind of middle of the road, Uh, I would say like middle of the road, trending up, because I did still enjoy it but I just don't think it, it did much new, or did much to enhance the formula that we've seen before so I'll leave it at that
0: Yeah, one thing that I forgot to mention in my uh, general thoughts that I have to get off my chest, and it's, it's the element of the movie that I absolutely hate the most, and it's our main, it's our heroine. I fucking hate our heroine. I just flat out do not like her. She makes multiple decisions, both during the duration of this movie and even before this movie starts, that just come off as so stupid and like and unrealistic and there's there's one thing that she does in the second act of this movie where I it just makes me lose complete interest in her I'm like I don't care about this character anymore you're you're just you're completely unlikable and I don't even care about you anymore I just want you to die and of course you know she's, she's the heroine the final girl so I'm sure you know how it ends for her but I, I just yeah Some of the things that she did in this movie, and we'll be able to get into it more in in the walkthrough, just infuriated the shit out of me to the point where I hated her. I didn't dislike her. I fucking hated her. I wanted her dead violently, and I never got it. So, yeah, Um, if that was the intention of the film, I mean, listen, most horror movies have flawed characters in them. And flawed characters are okay. We are human. We make mistakes. We are all flawed. That's fine. This woman just continued to do shit in this movie that just makes me dislike her more and more and more. And then finally the ultimate slap in the face that she does in the second act and I literally just wiped my my hands clean of her. I didn't give a shit about her the rest of the goddamn movie. And some people might call me petty for this one. And you know, that's valid if that's the opinion that you have. But I, I it's so unrealistic. It doesn't make any sense, especially for a girl this age. Um, and granted, I haven't been this age in about 112 years. So obviously I've forgotten what it's like to be a college student. That's fine. But, yeah, just some of the unrealistic decisions that she makes in this just irk of the shit mm-hmm. out of me. Uh, I did forget to say that I do like I, – I did actually like some of the falling kills. There's two fall to an impale deaths in this movie, and the second one is actually pretty fucking gnarly. Um, both obviously CGI enhanced, you know, fake blood, blah, blah, blah. Or should I say CGI blood, obviously. Of course it's fake blood. They're not actually killing actors in this. But, yeah. It's really too bad because when I read the description, you know, I read the synopsis of this before I watched it. I'm like, okay, this seems pretty interesting. I saw the poster. You know, the mask is mildly interesting. It's one of those masks that could be taken as playful you know, on it ninety nine percent of the time you would take the mask as playful, but obviously when it's being worn by someone walking around with a pickaxe, it, it it doesn't come off as playful anymore. Um and then as the movie goes along and the mask gets bloodier and bloodier, you know, it just looks really, really cool. Um Yeah, there's a lot of elements in this movie that could have gone right and they just like I said, they just kinda fell on tropes. Um other than, as Don and I have both mentioned, you know the whole thing with the chapters of the book and how the the kills are being presented, I thought that was really cool. It was different. Um, I was really surprised that they kind of abandoned that in the third act. obviously, once you have less um living members of the group left, it's a little bit harder to still do chapters and everything, but you know th- that you can send to like a uh you know, some kind of chat board you know where they're posted, blah blah blah, um, but it just like one of the coolest aspects of the movie, and they kind of abandon it about halfway through the movie, and that's really too bad so um I don't know what else can we get into here uh that's spoiler free uh, yes. <laughs> as I look through my notes, and again, I didn't take very many notes, which. Usually means I didn't like it very much. Um, like I, As I've said in the past, when I don't take very many notes, it means I either loved it or I hated it. And in this case, eh, I think you guys know where I fall on this one. I did like the Room 237 <laughs> reference. Did you guys notice that at the end of the movie? Room 237? And one of the characters was oh, yeah. yeah. like, really? Room 237? Like, it, almost like they knew where it was from, but they don't acknowledge it in the film. I thought that was kind of cool.
1: Stupid.
2: Yeah, they, but kind they did cool. throw in, like, of references to oh, yeah. other slashers. I noticed it like, random times, yeah.
0: Absolutely, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, mm. Not oh. a very great fire death at the very end of the movie. We have a, a character getting engulfed by flames, and unfortunately it is all CGI, um, and doesn't look great, <laughs> unfortunately. And... Um, where else can I go with this? Actually, I, I I actually do have it written here that there was a piece of music that I liked. I wrote I wrote down dramatic walking with an axe music. Um, it, in in one of the scenes in the movie, one of the characters is walking around with one of those pickaxes, and the music that's playing during that scene was actually pretty cool. I, I didn't I totally had forgotten about that, but yeah. And, of course, you know, the whole thing kind of revolves around clowns and pranks and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, again, you're looking at a a concept that was worn out in 2018, and here we are in 2023, and we're kind of still watching clown pranks gone wrong and, you know, clown-faced killers and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, other than Earth's a clown, we don't have too many original clowns out there right now, you know, killing on celluloids. So what can you do? Um, I think that's all I really have. Um, that isn't a spoiler. Uh, oh, did you guys, in the versions that you guys watched, I assume we all watch the same versions, was all the text in English? Yes. Why was all the text in English if all the dialogue was in Spanish? Like, do you think that, that was actually we were, like replaced
1: for the I think foreign we were release? Watching an English I think we were watching an English export because the dub wasn't that far off i i I didn't mind the dub. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, I assume you guys watched the dubbed one right uh no, subbed. I never watched, no, I watched. dubs, so no, I watched it dubbed that was the only one I could find.
0: Oh, I gotcha, yeah, that's probably the one that was found for us. Uh, Yeah, on Netflix, it's actually in Spanish, uh, subbed, and literally all the dialogue is in Spanish. Every word of it is in Spanish, yet all the texting is done in English, and it just, I don't know. Like, it, it takes you out of the realism of the film. Why are these kids all speaking Spanish to each other, but they're texting? And not just in broken English. I mean fucking perfect English. Like... You know, it, it just took me out of the movie a little bit. It's a weird decision. It's like if they did that for the dubbed version, so all the audio is in English as well, cool, no problem. But with everybody speaking Spanish and texting in English, it doesn't even fucking make sense to me. But, again, like if they were in America, like if they were like in Southern California and they were Spanish speakers, but they always text in English, that makes a little bit more sense. These are college kids in Spain, for fuck's sake. I'm not saying that they don't know English. Of course, they probably know a little bit of English. But like I said, the texts were all perfect English, and yeah, I I hated it. Every time they would text each other, it took me out of the movie, um, which is unfortunate because there's a lot that takes you out of this movie, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that's probably all I have for a non-spoiler talk. Um, So if you guys are done, I guess we can go into the walkthrough. And this will be a quickie.
2: (laughs) Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. So our movie opens up with a cold open where we see a young girl who's very disheveled. It looks like almost like a Carrie situation and Mrs. White where there's a mother kind of verbally beating down her daughter. Uh, Eventually, we see the daughter grab a can of kerosene and start pouring it all through the house. When her mother confronts her and asks her what she's doing, she just goes and splashes a bunch of kerosene on her, and then she goes to the fireplace, grabs one of her books, which are abundant. This, the room that they're in is basically a library. It's got all books all along the walls. This girl grabs a book, puts it, um, you know, sets it on fire with the fireplace that's right there, and then throws the book on the floor and, you know, all the papers and mom instantly, you know, bursts in the flame, blah, 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 and that's our cold open. Literally, no context, no names, just a mother and a daughter, and daughter basically Kills them both. Basically sets the house on fire, douses them both in kerosene, and pretty much kills them both. So that's the end of that. After that, we are introduced to our main cast. As the synopsis says, there are eight of kids in the main cast. Um, I don't remember all their names. I know our main girl's name is Angela. Um, her boyfriend is Nando. And then we've got other people like Caldo, Virginia, Sarah, Ray, Eva. And Sabas. I'll remember some of their names only because of the size of the role that they had in the movie, but not all of them. So anyway, like I said, we're introduced to our uh, main characters. As it turns out, Angela is actually a published writer, even though all of these kids are in college. She had written a story the year before about killer clowns that actually got a little bit of notoriety, got published. It's a, it's it's a kind of a short little book, you know, more of a booklet than anything. But it is an original story that she wrote. She got a little bit of notoriety for it. She's now suffering from writer's block because she doesn't know what to follow up with, if she wants to stick with horror or try a new subject. Um, she writes a couple of chapters of a new story that she's writing, And she wants to send it to her uh, professor, her literature professor. Um, She writes out the email with the attachment of the first couple of chapters, but then she decides not to send it. She just she just decides, fuck it, I'm I'm not going to send it next day. After class, the professor asks Angela to come to his office, and the moment that Angela gets in there, he locks the door behind her, he pours himself a bourbon, and instantly he just turns on the swarmy charm. He just turns into a total swarmy fucker. Um, basically just, you know, trying to advance on her. And then when she kind of denies it, he's freaking out because Earlier in the conversation, he talks about, oh, I got your email last night. And, of course, Angela denies ever sending it because she didn't send it. Uh, but then, as it turns out, the email wasn't what Angela thought it was. It was some kind of uh, almost like a, um, a proposition for sexual favors, if you will. So, obviously, something fucked up is happening. Uh, eventually, Angela, you know, kicks the, <laughs> kicks the professor in the balls, gets them off of her. She then threatens her, or excuse me, other uh, he then threatens her, basically saying, if you tell anyone about what happened, I will deny it, and I will get you kicked out of school, you know, for trying to accuse a professor of this, blah, 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 blah. So she ends up leaving distraught, tears in her eyes, everything else. She ends up going back to her friends at school and telling them all about it. We don't actually see her tell them, but... When when we return to the friends, they're all aware of what happened. Obviously, the, the other girls in the group want Angela to go and report him, but um one of the other or actually it's the guys in the group like Nando, who uh, Nando um Angela's, Angela's boyfriend. Who wants her to go and report it? But then Angela's best friend tells Nando, look, he's a powerful professor. He's tenured. You know, it's going to be his word against hers. He's going to tarnish her reputation, and she's going to have to leave school, you know, with her tail between her legs, basically. So Nando understood. So they decided not to, you know, report the professor. But what they do decide to do is to play a prank on him. And what they decide to do is they all go to the um, costume shop and they all buy the same clown outfit. It's just a, like a very basic clown costume. But then the mask has like fur around it. It's actually a pretty advanced mask for a very basic clown outfit. But um, if you see the movie poster, you'll see the mask in question. So these kids, all eight of them or seven of them, because there's seven in the main group. They all decide, you know, we're going to play a prank on the professor. He's usually here at the school late. He's usually one of the last people here in the building. So we're going to wait till everybody's gone, and we're going to fuck with him, basically. Just kind of chase him through the halls with fake knives and clown masks and blah, 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 blah. Um, Basically, the plan goes off without a hitch at first. Uh, The professor, um, you know is running terrified from all these different clowns like i said all 7 of them are in costume and then i did forget to mention the eighth girl she was kind of a nosy kind of a nosy bitch in the group that nobody really liked but as soon as she heard that they were all planning on doing something that evening at the school she just decided to show up anyway um, you know just to impose herself but then when she found out what they were trying to do uh, the ringleader sabas basically tells her, oh, no, 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 you're not going anywhere and you are not going to rat us out if you tell anyone anything, you know, blah, 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 you know, uh, implied threat, blah, blah. Um, So, like I said, we got these eight kids. They are now chasing the professor around the school. Eventually, they chase the professor up to an upstairs balcony where uh, Angela is actually waiting there in her clown costume to kind of, you know, fuck with the professor. Unfortunately... She didn't have her mask on yet, and then she hears the professor running up the stairs, and she's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, i got to get my mask on. Apparently, these masks aren't ultra easy to get on. Um, in the process of her putting her mask on, her professor runs in onto the balcony, and he's looking behind him, so he doesn't notice that there's another clown in front of him. He ends up bumping into the clown at the moment that he bumps into... Angela, her mask falls off, and the professor sees that it's Angela. But in the process of bumping into her, I guess the inertia kind of – um, pushed him off the balcony, he ends up falling off the balcony and getting impaled on a, a lance, on a statue, basically, below them. It, almost like a knight on a horse-type uh, statue. And it's got one of those big jousting lances. And he, of course, falls right onto the lance. So, yeah, of course... Cool death. Yeah, I liked it. I thought, I thought it was actually cool. Because he actually smashes his head on the second floor uh, pillar. Like, there's a... Like, they're up on the third floor balcony, and when he falls off the balcony, he smashes his fucking head on the second floor before then getting impaled on the lance of the statue. So that was a pretty cool death, actually. Um, so, of course, after that, our friends are like, oh, what do we do? Blah, blah, blah. You know, we got to you know, one of them wants to call the cops. Angela, of course, wants to call the cops being kind of the goody two shoes of the group. But the boss, the ringleader is basically no, 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 no. We're not going to the cops because we're all going to get accused of murder and we're all going to get kicked out of school, blah, 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 blah. So they all decide to make a pact. We will never speak of this again. You know, again, nothing that we haven't seen in multiple movies before. And, you know, they go on with their lives. The next morning, the professor's body is found and it starts kind of a a long, uh, like, kind of like a grieving process for the school. Um, You know, because apparently this guy was fairly well liked, even though, as we know, we as the viewer know, he was kind of a dirty scumbag. But, you know, that's on him. Um, And then basically our friends um, are just kind of having very cryptic conversations with each other, you know, talking about it, but not really talking about it. You know, one of those situations. And then eventually all of our friends are in class and they all get a text or not so much a text, but like a social media update. And basically what it is, is chapter one of a new story about a a clown seeking revenge on a group of people that killed someone. So obviously someone witnessed what these kids did and is now taking up the mantle of the clown mask and is now going to try to take them all out. And, Basically, when we find out about the murders, they're in the past tense. The murders have already occurred, but they're being presented to us in the, um, under the guise of a chapter of a book. So basically, this person calling himself the Masked Clown sends this first chapter to all of our friends, um, and it's basically about the death of one of their own. And they're like, oh, shit. You know, and and that person, of course, didn't go to school that day. They're not in class. Um, they read the chapter fully. They finish the chapter. They see uh, in the chapter the killer is very open about what he did and where he did it. So, of course, as soon as the, the other, the remaining friends finish reading the chapter, they go off to the location. They don't find anything. The body is gone. Um no blood, no nothing. It's like the entire scene was cleaned off, and then that kind of starts happening more and more as more people start getting picked off. I forget the exact order of where they got picked off. um I know Nando was considered the emo kid. There was like the emo kid, the influencer um it was very um cabin in the woods where where the where all the characters in our group in our friend group all had their roles. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, to an extent, anything that reminds me of Cabin in the Woods is is OK, in my opinion, because I love that movie. But, um, you know, they kind of touched on that here um, and then they continue to receive chapters um, of of their friends being killed. And then, of course, that friend then disappears and no one sees them. Um, but they never find a body. It's not like they ever, you know, find a, a death scene or a crime scene, anything like that, at least early on. Um, I'm not going to go over every single death. I mean, <laughs> we've, got, we've got, like, someone takes a sword to the mouth. That was um, good. Yeah, that was decent. We get somebody who gets um, disemboweled with a pickaxe. Um, that was a pretty decent too, because the killer takes like a wide, like a roundhouse swing with the pickaxe and gets them in the midsection just enough that it cuts them open and you start seeing little bits of intent intestine kind of poking out. So again, not bad, mild, you know, mildly good kills. Um, now, eventually, uh, about a little bit more than halfway through the movie. Um, we start getting more revelations, and, and I'm skipping a lot of the movie, folks, because, like I said, it's fairly basic slasher chase sequences, kills, off-camera kills, blah, 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 blah nothing too special. Um, eventually, uh, Angela ends up making a confession, and her confession is that she did not write her killer clown story. Her killer clown story actually came from a girl that she had online correspondence with. This is a girl that she was friendly with online, maybe through social media or whatever. And this girl wrote this book about the killer clowns. Um, But the girl never wanted to publish it, never wanted to send it anywhere. And Angela needed something to turn in. I think it was for like a journalism class or something. They needed to submit something to a real publisher. She had no intention of actually having that book get published and released and everything else, but of course this is a horror movie, so of course she ends up winning the literature contest. Her story ends up getting published and released to the public, and what ends up happening is that um, Angela's online friend catches wind of it, that Angela stole her story, submitted it, and then had it published under her name, and The story is is that the girl went fucking crazy and killed herself and her mother. Sound familiar? Yeah, that's right. The cold open. (laughs) Uh, The the girl in our cold open is the real author of the killer clown story that Angela took credit for. So um, let's start talking about some of the terrible decisions that Angela is making. Basically, there's a scene in the movie, and it's very reminiscent of Scream when Sidney sees, um, what's his face, Uh, with the Scream mask, with the ghost face mask, and she instantly assumes that he's the killer. The exact same fucking thing happens in this movie. Nando finds uh, one of the uh, clown masks on the ground and picks it up and tries to find his girlfriend. He eventually does find his girlfriend, and he's still holding the mask in his hand. So, of course, you know, she puts two and two together and comes up with three and basically thinks that he's the killer. So they basically shun him from the friend group. They don't, like, call the cops or anything. You know, they're all convinced this guy's the killer, but none of them want to do anything, like, uh, specific about it. They just shun him and push him out of the group. Later, that same fucking day, Angela goes and fucks Sabas. And in that scene, Sabas admits to her that he's always had feelings for her, but that she's never reciprocated those feelings and that he's always Uh-oh. felt kind of yeah. shunned. You know, aw. Uh, uh.
2: You know what happens when, when that reveal comes. <laughs> never exactly. a good thing.
0: <laughs> never a fucking good thing. So anyway, like I said, the moment... That they get naked, I fucking hate her. I fucking hate Angela for that decision. The same fucking day that your longtime boyfriend gets accused of potentially stalking you and trying to kill you, you go and fuck another member of the friend group? Like, why? Uh, obviously, you weren't that fucking distraught uh, to, to find out about your boyfriend because you'd go and just fuck some other guy that same day. I'm sorry. This is supposed to be an 18, 19-year-old college girl, and she literally just got the shock of her life that her boyfriend may be a serial killer trying to kill her. And how does she fucking relax? With another man's dick. Uh, so, yeah, I just – I. From that moment on I didn't give a rat's ass about Angela. She could die violently and I wouldn't give a rat fuck. Like I said, I just she, her character is so unrealistic. And we're not even talking about the decision her decision to steal someone's story, a girl who was basically stuck in her house Um, I say I mentioned Carrie earlier and it's true it's kind of a very much a Carrie situation where you know the cold open is all of a minute and a half long but in that cold open you do kind of get that Carrie White and Mrs. White vibe you know where mom is trying to keep daughter from you know going out of the house and being too much of a free spirit blah 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 blah. Um, so anyway like I said. I fucking hate Angela. The rest of the movie, I don't give a rat's ass about Angela. I really just want her to die, and unfortunately, she never does. Spoiler alert. Like I said, she's the final girl. So, eventually, we get the reveal that, yes, Sabath is the killer. He takes off the mask after stabbing Nando in the side. Nando doesn't die right away, but he's alive enough to kind of open his eyes and see and hear that his girlfriend fucked Nando, the killer. <laughs> Literally, and and, the, and Nando, uh, not Nando, but Sabas, the killer, is laughing about it. He's like, not only did you accuse your fucking boyfriend of being a killer, you fucked the killer that same day. And he has every right to be laughing at her because it's fucking hysterical that she was so blind and stupid that that's what she gets. I, I, I'm sorry, like I said, it just... Such an unrealistic situation that it just bugged the fuck out of me. So so anyway, we've got that reveal now. And then we get a second reveal. And this is where Scream 5 and 6 start to come in because we have a second killer. It's also in the clown costume, and the clown mask. And this time it's a female. <laughs> and it's one of the girls from the group. I think her name was Virginia. Virginia. Um, it's one of the last surviving female uh, yeah. members of the group she's yeah, like a correct. friend and then we get then we get the reveal that virginia isn't virginia she's actually the girl from the cold open who angela stole her story from so we basically have the real author of killer clowns um going around uh, you know and helping the boss kill these people apparently this plan has been like a year old they've been because uh, it was the year before that the killer clowns book was submitted and published and now she you know like i said it's the next year she's trying to work on her follow up blah 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 um and now we know why she's having so much trouble <laughs> writing her follow up cuz she never wrote the first fucking story she's not a writer basically she's just not a writer um but she obviously desperately wants to be so Like I said, with the reveal that now Virginia is the original author of Killer Clowns, we get one final reveal uh, from Sabas, and that reveal is they are family. Yes, Sabas and Virginia are somehow related. They never tell us exactly how. They don't say brother, sister, cousin. They don't tell us. All they say is, you know, something about family. You know, v- very Don Toretto and Fast and the Furious. They the Sabas says something about family, and yeah, and Virginia just kind of agrees with them. So obviously, they are, you know, siblings or whatever the fuck you want to go with. Um, and they have been pl- uh, plotting this for a while now. This incredibly convoluted fucking plot that they came up with, like. I, <laughs> This plot is so stupid and convoluted that if literally Angela would have taken one step to the left uh, the night of the professor dying, none of the rest of the events in this movie would have fucking occurred, literally. So it's it's too much, you know, the universe aligning, making all of these events, you know, uh, transpire and everything. But yeah, very convoluted plan. And of
1: course, you anyway, also for. Well, you're also Mm -hmm. forgetting about the fact that they have to wait for the professor to hit on her and then the group to seek revenge on him by dropping him off of the third-story balcony and impaling himself on the lance to set their whole plan in motion. Because if they don't do that, their whole whole thing is fucked. Oh, no, yeah, like I said. Yeah, because when are they supposed to start it if if he doesn't do that to begin with? It's true. Um, And, yeah, that's what I mean.
0: There are too many pieces that have to fall into place for this plan to – to, to to you know go to fruition uh, that it just doesn't make any sense I mean what if what if the professor never hit on her and I, and I did forget to mention that uh, the original email that was sent to the professor kind of proposing uh, sexual favors was sent by Sabas as it turns out Sabas hacked Angela's email account <laughs> sent that email to the professor basically saying you know I want to suck your knob and You know, that's why the professor was all up in arms. So, I mean, I guess it's lucky the professor is a scumbag, because, again, like Don said, this plan would have never seen the light of day. So. All right. So at this point, uh, we've got a few we've got Nando is still alive, even though he's got his pickaxe wound on his side. Uh, And then Angela and Nando are being basically chased by Sabas and Virginia. Eventually, Nando shows up with a piece of like a statue, like a marble statue that he picked up off the ground, and he just fucking smashes Sabas in the head and then Sabas, very similar to the professor, falls off the um, the third floor patio right onto the same lance that the professor fell on. But in this case, rather than falling on it square in the middle of his back like the professor did, he falls on it mouth first. So it literally goes right through his fucking head, which was actually pretty impressive, I will say. CG and all, I still did like that death. A very deserving death for a deserving petty fucking character. So now at this point, it is just Angela and Nando basically running away from Virginia, who at this point is using her real name, and I completely forgot what the girl's real name is, so I apologize there. I think it starts with an A, if I remember correctly, but that's all I remember. She's chasing Nando and um, Angela around. Eventually, they are able to find uh, a room with, like, gasoline or flame around like it's seeping through the floor somehow. Maybe it's oil. I'm not sure. Um, But eventually, yeah, they basically trap um, the girl in this area and then just start a fire. And she goes up in flames fairly quickly, like the flames engulf one side of her face almost instantly. And then the screen fades to black. And, you know, obviously you just assume that she died in that instant and that, you know, Angela and everybody else is safe. After that scene, when it fades back up, we go to a year later, one fucking year later. And we see that there is now a new girl, a different girl, um, no one that we've seen in the movie at this point. And she is now writing a story about the killer clown's, excuse me, fiasco. The whole thing with the girl writing the story, Angela stealing the story, basically everything that's happened in the movie up to now. This girl is working on a book, on a new book to write it, and one day she's at school, she's in the library, and suddenly she's alone in the library. Everybody just kind of disappears, and when she looks up, she sees the clown. We see the same clown, another person wearing the clown outfit, the mask, everything, but this time... Um, the person takes the mask off and we see that it's Virginia again, the girl who got burned and she, you know half her face is burnt off, it's all melted. So obviously at the at the instant that the camera went to black on that scene, she must have somehow ran away and jumped in a lake. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there it is. Uh, Virginia is still alive, and she starts to, uh, she basically kills the girl, the new girl. Who's writing the new story about the situation? And then the movie fades to black for the last time. And that is, I know what you screamed last summer. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. I meant. <laughs> oh, I. I thought yeah. that was.
1: I thought that was the girl we were following. I thought that was. No,
0: that was Virginia because her face was burnt off. No, the, the victim. The
1: I thought victim. that. Oh was... no, no, the victim
0: was a new girl.
1: That was a new girl. I thought that was the main girl.
0: I don't think so. I think that was a new girl. Because I, I mean, I, why would
1: Angela go back to that school after all that shit happened? I thought didn't think it was a new school because there was a new teacher. I thought that was a new. I thought they were that she had followed her to a new school. Because the layout I mean, I'm I'm
0: open to the possibility that that was still Angela, but I don't, I really don't think it was. It didn't to me. It didn't look like her. Um,
2: I, I thought it was I, too, but then I'm like, is it just something that kind of. Cause she didn't look exactly the same, but I thought maybe they kind of gave her like a makeover. You know, it's like oh yeah, new, like a year school, over makeover. because you know? she's got a because
1: she's got a new hairdo. So I, I yeah, I, I thought it was Angela like a year later makeover, trying to like you know put everything behind her, and then Virginia comes back to finish the story. I, to me, that made more sense. And they, they oh, it totally, makes total more sense, absolutely.
0: They, but like I said, just totally, the way that this girl uh, was acting, like she wasn't acting like Angela. This girl was very. Um, extroverted. Don't forget, Angela was never an extrovert at any point in the film. And this girl was very extroverted, talking about, oh, yeah, I'm going to write up this story, you know, I'm, I'm going to publish it, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't remember her ever saying, oh, this will be my second book, or anything that would imply that it was Angela. I mean, I'll go back and watch that scene, but I really thought it was somebody new, because she has a whole new set of friends, too. Like, um, oh, her Ando's old ones not are there. killed. Granted, off, but... most of them died. Um but mando 's not there I mean why would, if she stayed, why would nando leave i don 't know it just it, it felt I, mean, I guess if either, I'll tell you either what, if that really was Angela, then I hate this movie even fucking more because I would fucking hate that that Angela, after everything that she went through, she still decides to keep going to that same school and then she decides to write a story that she knows shouldn 't be written so if that 's Angela, I fucking hate this movie even more. I'll leave it at that.
2: <laughs> Do you like how we got the uh, we got the last bit of scream scream similarities with the sequel exposition? There oh, again. right, the
0: sequel discussion. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I was I was expecting Jada Pink and Smith to show up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be hilarious. Um, yeah, ah, this movie.
1: Yeah, this movie had a lot of
0: potential, you know. The first act I thought was great, actually. For the most part, I had no issues with the first act. But once we start getting more revelations on these kids and who they actually are and what they've actually done, and and going into the third act and hearing the motivation of the two killers, yeah, it just, the the movie lost me completely.
2: It's too bad. Yeah, it went from a, it was a pretty good setup and just kind of. Fizzled out. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, all right well that was the killer book clubs but uh before we get out of here let's uh find out where else we can be heard so venom what do you got not much
0: new from us uh we had to postpone um creature comforts episode 19 due to one of the hosts getting sick this past weekend we rescheduled for this coming weekend So hopefully we'll be going ahead and taking a look at that. Um, If everything goes well, we'll be looking at the 1957 Ray Harryhausen classic 20 Million Miles to Earth, um, which I actually just picked up on Blu-ray not too long ago. So it was perfect uh, as a choice for this month. So that'll be episode 19. Hopefully, well, definitely it'll be out sometime in September. It's just a matter. Hopefully it's early September. Um, the main show, episode 55, has been released where we looked at um, Torso and The Great Alligator, two movies from Sergio Martino, um, and and then all of our other segments, what we've been watching, Burning Question, all that fun stuff. Um, and that's pretty much it for me, sadly. Um, nothing on the Crystal Lake gift shop front and nothing really on the guest spot um, you know, situation. Um, I have some guest spots set up for October, but it's kind of pointless to even talk about those now. So let's just say that's all I have for now.
2: All right. Uh, Don. how about you?
1: Yeah, uh, postponed the uh, Creature Comfort Show. Uh, so that one should be out a little bit later than normal. Um, couple of guest spots. Um, I, again, uh, my appearance on uh, Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks, where um, I joined a couple of friends for um, an impromptu trivia show, which uh, was a lot of fun. Um, the new episode, or um, I should say my latest appearance on uh, the Joe Blow Horror Show, which uh, was postponed because of the hurricane from last week. Um, has been recorded um, It was a lot of fun We looked at uh, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City Which was a lot of fun Um The first time working with um, Cole um, I've I worked with Travis before I didn't know it was him Um Actually he was on the, the nightclub That I've guested on a couple of times So it was uh, good to go back and uh, record with him again But yeah that one uh, Is recorded it, uh, I, I think they just Released Afterlife, So it should be a couple of weeks from now, but hopefully that'll come out uh, soon enough where I'm not uh, repeating that one for months on end. And uh, of course the uh, latest episode of uh horror countdown, I had a friend on and we looked at Stephen King adaptations, which uh, should be a lot of fun because I'm not a fan. Uh so. <laughs> Yeah, that one was a a fun time. Um, But yeah, um, also, uh, once again, like I said last time, I'm trying to get more people to listen to the um, India episode of Horror Countdown, which was the episode before. So, uh, again, those are the last two that we released. But um, other than that, uh, not much else for me. All right.
2: Uh, For me and Venom, the main show... The latest episode is out now. No More Rumor Hell, number 55, which were my picks. Uh, Sergio Martino, double feature, which was Torso and The Great Alligator. So that is up. So check that out. If you're listening to this, yeah, it's up and ready to go. Um, other than that, yeah, not much else. So, uh, that's <laughs> yeah, that's it for me. But... Uh, w- what are we coming up for this? Is is there a theatrical release this week? I'm not sure. There
0: is uh, there is a small release this week called Slother House.
2: And oh so, god, I heard about.
0: Yeah, that. the one with the killer sloth. <laughs> I mean, just because it's playing in theaters, I guess I'll go see it. But um, uh, it's just a matter of if it's if it's uh, available where you are because it, it is playing at a couple of AMC's out here. Uh, I'm looking at the listings right now. It looks like it has like one or two screenings a night, but yeah, it is planned. So um, that's a, that's a possibility. There's plenty on VOD as well, and then next week starts our long stretch of like seven or eight weeks at the theater in a row. Ooh,
2: that's gonna be I'm fun. Excited. Fun
0: for me. Yeah, yeah. No hell yeah, I'm very excited.
1: <laughs> that's none too, right? <laughs> that's that's uh, yeah, the first the one? None
0: two next week. Yep.
1: All right. Well, uh,
2: happy to kick off the theatrical (laughs) release streak. Perfect timing, too, because we're just hitting the end of summer here. So with that said, that is going to wrap up this episode of Fresh Cuts. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll be back in a week with another episode. Till then, let's say bye to our listeners.
0: Later. Don't steal people's stories.
2: That's fucked up. Write your own. (laughs) Peace.